G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. If we were talking food, just imagine for a few moments being surrounded by the best fresh produce in the best kitchen and with the best utensils, but not knowing how to prepare a meal. Well, our special guest today says the Bible is a little bit like that, having the best food in the best kitchen, but so many of us don't know how to prepare a delicious and nutritious meal. Benjamin Windle says you can attend church for many years and listen to a lot of teaching and not learn how to read the Bible for yourself. Nothing else fuels our growth like personally engaging with the Bible. Yet many of us lack the practical tools to confidently read and study the Bible for ourselves. Well, Ben Wendell is a specialist pastor who, to pastors millennials and Generation Z, moving the faith of believers to depth and action. And we're going to be talking about his tips today on how to read and study the Bible for yourself. Ben Wendell, a special welcome along to 2020. Thank you so much, Neil. I've been looking forward to this conversation, and I think uh, we're going to get a lot out of it, so will listeners. Let's uh, invite listeners uh, fairly early in our conversation to join in. So if you've got some perspectives, you might have a question or a comment. You might even have a critique for our conversation. That'll be welcome, too, on 1-800-316-316. Hey, let's talk about the kitchen for a few moments here, Ben. Uh, You've got this sort of illustration. You're in the kitchen. The best kitchen, the best food. Uh, Sorry, I don't know how to cook. Uh, This is one of those things that so many of us might relate to. Yeah, Neil, it's a concept vehicle that for me captures uh, a lot of people's relationship with the Bible. And, And let me describe it this way. You know, I've been raised in the church. I'm a pastor's kid. And then I've pastored for 20 years myself. And so that's why I say you can be around church And maybe now more than ever, you can be around Christian things and not actually engage in Scripture itself. And so it's kind of a double-sided coin that these days we have so much information and content. I mean, I'm a content creator, so I'm speaking about my own kind of job here, right? But podcasts, radio, books, blogs, Instagram, social media, I mean, you name it. And the illustration is this, that we are presented finished meals, right? I mean, I've done this for many years as a pastor. People come to church, and what do I do all week as a pastor? I'm studying and putting together a meal, and people come into church, and I'm presenting them with the finished product. Here's a sermon. It's the same when you pick up a book. Now, again, I'm a writer, so I'm kind of putting myself out of work here, right? But what do you get? You get a meal. Somebody has put together a message for you. But when I was 18, I moved out of home and um, pretty quickly realized that my mom (laughs) was a great cook, (laughs) did everything, (laughs) Yep, Um, and that I had literally no idea of what to do in the kitchen. 
right? I had no idea how to put things together for myself because I was familiar with somebody providing that for me. And the illustration is this. We have a whole generation that are used to being served up finished meals, but we don't know how to cook for ourselves. And the idea of learning how to read the Bible is this. We need to get back into the kitchen and learn how to cook and prepare a meal for ourselves. Why? You're not always going to have a pastor on hand or a book on hand or a podcast on hand when you're walking through a valley, when you're faced with a need, when you're faced with a crisis. We have to be able to directly engage Scripture for ourselves. Ben, there's some interesting things that are developing, which I'll get your comments on, because today you don't even, in a lot of churches, you don't even need to take your Bible to church. Uh, And yet you might have your Bible on an app on your mobile device. But people used to take a Bible to church and they'd have context because they'd open up that passage in Matthew chapter 6 or whatever and uh, and then you'd flip over to other other chapters in other books in the Bible and there'd be a sort of uh, a way that you could engage with the Bible in context. Today, when you turn up to a lot of churches, uh, you don't need to bring your Bible. And even if you have the Bible on your cell phone, uh, oftentimes there's a screen and you've got the words to the passage of Scripture that the pastor might be referring to up on the screen. So you can just sort of glance up on the screen. It's like you say, it's all provided for you. The meal is already prepared. You don't even have to open a Bible to actually enjoy those things when you go to church. Same sorts of things happen at home, don't they, with uh, all right. of the the, the, uh, the technology and the right. things we have at our fingertips. It's too easy, right? Um, technology helps. And technology hurts. It does both. I mean, I think the idea of turning back the tide on, you know, accessing scripture on our phones is is a done deal. Um, I, as a father, actually had this moment where I realized I got three sons. They never see me reading the Bible because I read the Bible electronically, be it on my iPad or computer or, or phone. And so I actually intentionally went back to using a physical, old-school, black, leather-bound Bible in my home so that my kids can visually see. Oh, Dad's just not on social media right now. He's reading the Bible. You know, electronic tools with Bible reading brings a lot of benefits. But if we're not careful, you're right. We can lose context. We can cherry-pick verses. We can go to church and just watch a screen. And what I'm pressing on is that lack of engagement personal engagement with scripture, the wrestling with it, the discovery of new verses and chapters that we've never read, all of that is what really supercharges our own spiritual growth and formation. I must say that I was holding out for a long time, taking my physical book Bible to church, but I have succumbed and uh, and I've got my Bible on my mobile device and on a tablet at home and I'm not picking up that book as often as I used to. And so you do lose something in all of that. Hey, let's talk about, though, some other dimensions because it's very well to read the Bible, but then you take that to a, another dimension, you say, study the Bible. That's a little bit different to reading the Bible, and sometimes we need some guidance in that. Uh, the guidance, perhaps, that equips us to be able to not need the guidance anymore. But what are your thoughts here on taking that reading just to another deeper level? I think we need to go deeper. Um, our culture is superficial, largely. 
And if we don't push ourselves to go deeper in our own spiritual practices, like nobody else can do this for us, right? Um, you can't run on a treadmill and I lose the weight <laughs> as much as what I wish that that were yeah. the case. Well, we could watch that on YouTube. We, we could watch it and see if it works. <laughs> I tried that actually. <laughs> I've got to put in the work myself and that's that's where the growth is. It's putting in the work ourselves. So yes, reading the Bible – but I want to introduce a whole generation to Bible study, which means I know God can speak to me through when I engage in Scripture myself. And the thing about Bible study is we have to bring that back to the everyday person, right? When you go back to the Reformation, and you see this idea that Scripture should be accessible to every person. It shouldn't be reserved for pastors, reverends, priests, right? Anybody who follows Jesus should have the tools and the confidence to read, study, and interpret Scripture for themselves. Let me ask you about questions, though, because asking the right questions of the Bible uh, is going to give you a capacity to be able to find the answers that you're looking for. But uh, perhaps the idea of asking questions is something that we're challenged with as well. We might open the Bible and go, ah, what sort of question should I be asking here? I know I've got some guidance what happens, what my pastor says on Sunday, but uh, but to be able to discover those things, to you know, have a time when I'm, I'm actually receiving that inspiration or that revelation afresh from God just from my Bible reading, some people might be challenged with that. What are your thoughts about questions that we might ask? Well, Jesus asked a lot more questions than what he gave answers to. I think we have to encourage people, particularly younger people, that questions are healthy. Questions open up discovery. And when you bring a question to the scriptures, what does the Bible say about this? It helps clear the page of our own preconceived ideas. So to me, questions are essential. And I'll, I'll give people just some really important questions that they can bring to their own Bible reading. Things like this. What is the broader context of what is being said? So you talked about, you can see a verse on the screen um, well, that can hinder us sometimes because we need to ask questions. Here's a follow-up question like this. What is the thought progression? And what is the logical flow of the subject matter? Now, you can't get that in a verse. And this is where, for me, this is the single most important key to reading and studying the Bible for yourself. And it's so easy, but it's this. Read chapters, not verses. Read chapters, not verses. Why? If somebody right now listening took one phrase of this one-hour conversation out of context, made a bumper sticker out of it, right? Made a wallpaper for their phone out of it. And we're like, but hang on a second. The context of what we were saying was completely different to that. You've actually missed the point. We do that all the time when reading the scripture. If we could just back up and say, I love that verse. Now let me read the whole chapter so I can get the flow of what the author's intent was in that moment and in that conversation. Sounds like you're reflecting the six o'clock news. <laughs> so many things taken out of context right. and really you need the whole story and getting the bird's eye view uh, starts with not just reading the verse but actually reading the chapter. And then I imagine that the chapter has its own context too and that's got some context into whatever book or letter from the Bible you're reading. 
Yeah, I mean, I was talking to my oldest son about this just last week. I gave him his first like physical Bible. So I'm going on this whole journey with my kids where we're putting scripture at the center of their faith development. And we were talking about the Gospel of John, right? And so I'm looking at John chapter 1, verse 1. I'm like, son, look at the parallels here between this and Genesis 1. Uh, look at what the author is trying to do. And I'm saying to him, hey, you've got to understand, John is writing different to the other three gospel authors. He isn't writing to a specific group of people at a specific time and place. He's writing to believers in all places. It's the universal gospel. So what does that mean? That gives me context to what that author is saying. So going from the chapter, I want to click out one more layer, look at the book Who's the author? Who was it written to? What subjects is it addressing? And then you want to take a look. Is this Old Testament or is this New Testament? That context right there also provides safety boundaries to easily misinterpreting Scripture because I'm taking a look at the chapter, the book, and the genre of literature in which that book is written. This is 2020 with Neil Johnson. Helping you make sense of life, culture, and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. Ben Windle is our guest. Ben actually has a five-part video series on this type of topic we're talking about today. How to read and study the Bible for yourself. You're welcome to call in 1-800-316-316. Ben, why don't we take a call from Shirley, who is in Bowen in North Queensland. Hi, Shirley. Welcome. Hello, Neil. How are you? Oh, well, thank um, you. And um, also, Ben, good to hear your feedback. I, I had a question, like, you know, these days we're living end times. And um, like with the book of Revelation, like I know it's apocalyptic. So how do we actually look at Revelation? Do we look at it as like it's going to, these things are happening? Or do we look at it more from John's perspective of what was happening in the church then and like Daniel? Because it's sort of hard to know sometimes to get that balance of... Um, between the Daniel and Revelation and end times things without, you know, sharing that love of Jesus is so important and what he's done for us. And I just find the balance hard to get sometimes. Good question, Shirley. Uh, let's throw Ben into the deep end here because people have all sorts of different perspectives, don't they, about the book of Revelation. And uh, Ben, your thoughts for Shirley? Well, Shirley, thanks for starting us off with such an easy question. <laughs> it's, a, it's a great question. That great. Uh, yeah, let me firstly say this. Uh, genre matters, and it matters a lot more than what people realize, and it's one of the areas that we can typically um, misinterpret Scripture. So, you know, for example, roughly a third of Scripture is poetry, and that should matter to us. Like when you read a science textbook, the context comes out of the fact that you know the genre, or if you're reading a legal research paper, the genre. And indeed, Revelation is apocalyptic literature, as is Daniel. And so understanding that means this, that when I'm reading that particular book, uh, I'm within the frame of mind to know that I'm reading metaphors. I'm reading sometimes imagery borrowed from fables at that time. I'm, I'm reading a book of visions and dreams. And so if I read it as a literal, um, you know, I will see this kind of beast appear here, right? Because Revelation said um, we are misinterpreting the genre. 
So the genre, understanding the genre is essential to reading the book of Revelation. Shirley, is that helpful? That is very helpful, yes. Thank you very much, Ben. (laughs) Shirley, thank you so much for your call. And look, there's so much more we can talk about, especially around the book of Revelation. You might have your own thoughts, 1-800-316-316. We won't stay just on Revelation because talking apocalyptic literature, those sorts of images, as you say, Ben, some of those come from first century. Uh, Some of those are about weird and wonderful things uh, that really capture our imaginations. Uh, Some of those might well have even been the images of the evil rulers of the day. But there's also this prophetic element in Revelation too. Sometimes people will say it was meaningful to people in the first century. How can that be meaningful to us in the 21st century? So in somehow or other, in your interpreting the scriptures, you're taking all of those things into account, perhaps not even holding too tight to either. Look, I think that out of all of the books of scripture, Revelation is one of the more challenging and heavily debated books in in the bible and there are a lot of different perspectives on it uh and i'm certainly no expert when it comes to interpreting revelation but for example what i can say is this when you read the book of philippians well that's a letter from paul in prison to a specific audience right uh when we read revelation and the this idea that it could speak to people then and it can speak to people now and in the future to me that's all of scripture All of Scripture can speak to people in a moment and in the future, but perhaps even particularly apocalyptic um, books of the Bible. When you read Daniel, for example, even now, it's, it's incredible how much it can speak to our day and age. And to me, that's a part of what makes the Bible beautiful and special. Wonderful. 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. Let's take a call. Jonathan is in Perth, WA. Hi, Jonathan. Yes, uh... As uh, you are explaining, I what I noticed is uh you know that I, I taught in the Sunday school for so many years in my home. So I learned to read the scripture and then after you read the scripture to whom it was written, why it was written, and you do the application, but I find it difficult with some pastor today. As soon as they read the message now, strict they bring it to their side, they don't explain who the letter is for, why that person wrote the letter. When you talk about, hey, Jonathan, you don't know why you are talking about it. This is modern day. I say, no, you are taking the Bible out of context. Because when the letter is written to somebody, you read it to them. Why they wrote it to him? Then you apply it to your life today. But more parts are missing that. I don't know where they get it from. Jonathan, fabulous insight here. And, uh, you know, in our old technology, open the book of the Bible, many Bibles had uh, some introduction in the beginning of it so that you had an idea of who wrote this and when it was and who was the audience. Uh, Wonderful things that gave us a little bit of context when we started to read a book of the Bible. But uh, your thoughts here, Ben, for Jonathan? Yeah, look, I think all of us... um have to get better at looking at context of scripture Um, i can pick out one verse from romans chapter 8 but when i read the entire chapter i'm like oh that verse sits within a thought he's going somewhere with this he's actually communicating an entire idea and then we have to understand that the original scriptures didn't have verses verse numbers or chapters i mean that's more a modern day helpful insertion it allows us to have a reference But sometimes what that also does, an unintentional consequence, 
is we can take one verse or one chapter and almost quarantine it from the rest of the book. And you're like, no, 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 that was all one letter or that was all one flow, one idea, one narrative. And so sometimes it's helpful to almost ignore the chapter number or the verse and just go and read a few chapters, get a feel for the flow of something. And again, going back to that idea of genre in Luke chapter 24, verse 44, Jesus said this, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written, listen to this, in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might might comprehend the scriptures. So I mean, it's amazing to think that Jesus did something to open their eyes. Like we could talk about that. What does that mean? That he opened their eyes and now they understood it. But also he gives us three categories of genres, which were the law, the prophets, and the Psalms. So the way Jesus read scripture was within these categories of genres and context. Wonderful stuff. Jonathan, thank you so much for your call. We're about to go to news and we'll take some more calls after Vision National News. But just a minute or so leading up there and uh, you talk about, uh, you know, the law and the prophets and the Psalms. Of course, uh, there are books in the scriptures that are historic. And uh, as you mentioned, uh, Revelation or Daniel, apocalyptic. Some of them are letters. Uh, So Understanding what sort of book you're reading in the Bible is going to help your way of understanding and interpreting it. Yeah, in fact, the guys from the Bible Project, I I love their content. They've discovered that 43% of Scripture is made up of narrative. So the idea that the Bible is telling us a story, one grand story within a whole lot of smaller stories, um, to me helps color the way I then read Scripture. What is the story that's being told, both the story of God and the story of humanity? Ben, let's take another call. David is in Maruka in Brisbane. Hi, David. Welcome. Thank you. Good morning. Um, My question could be a little bit off topic, but I've been wondering about it for a long time. Um, The Aboriginal people state that they're the oldest living culture. They reckon they're about 65 million years old, and I don't tend to believe them. So is there any way that in the Bible proves this one way or the other? Okay, this puts Ben into the deep end again too and uh, back to Genesis as history and as some interpret there a longer earth. But uh, your thoughts here, Ben, and can you actually ask the question that's being asked by our society and find answers in the Scriptures? As it relates to that specific question, uh, I don't know. Uh, that's something that's beyond my area of um, of study. Um, I think when we look at Genesis and we look at creation, what it provides for us is a frame of reference when it comes to creation. Now, if you're then to break that down and zoom in and kind of say, okay, which ancient people group is indeed the oldest? I'm not sure we specifically have an answer to that. And there are different theories in terms of the duration of creation, how long that was, uh, what kind of creation potentially existed before creation. There's a lot of different theories on that subject right there. But I think what we know for sure is this, that there was a point of origin that we read about in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, that humanity, all humanity was created by God in the image of God, loved by God. We can go down various, you know, rabbit trails within the 
whole lot of different questions we can ask about that. And I've come to a place in my own journey, Neil, where I have quite a piece in saying, I don't know the answer to that, but hey, go ahead and study it. I'm at a point where I say, if you understand some of the dimensions and different arguments that people use, ultimately you come to a point where you trust God. Correct. And so there is a thought around uh, Genesis being history, and some will say a a young earth. Uh, then there are those who want to argue an old earth, but they have a tendency to use those sorts of figures, like uh, like you're mentioning there, David, uh, 65 million years. Uh, then you can talk billion years, and then we talk about origins, and uh, when did a big bang happen, and people are talking about those tens of billions of years. But as a Christian believer, you appreciate that God has created, at whatever point, some form of grown-up universe. And whether it's an old universe or a young one, this is what we grapple with and we start to try and uh, make sense of in our own minds. Uh, I've come to a point where I'm happy to trust God that he could create that a young universe or an older one. And particularly, this is an interesting, uh, uh, just aside, and we won't get caught up in all of this, but sometimes when people are using the billions of years time frame, uh, I say to them, what about what was happening not just 65 million years or 65 billion years, mm. what was happening 65 trillion years <laughs> ago? So, uh, so actually, you can use the same age argument and you can throw that back to someone and actually come to the point where you say, well, whatever age you start to talk about, you must always come to a point where you say, where did this all begin? Correct. And we can say, God is the creator. And ultimately, while we understand that there are all sorts of science around those sorts of ages, ultimately we come to a point where we want to trust God and his word that he is the creator. David, I hope that was helpful. Thank you so much for your call. Our talkback line open, 1-800-316-316. Our topic, we're talking about reading and studying the Bible for yourself. Let's take some more calls, Ben. Here's Pam, who's in stall in Victoria. Hi, Pam. Hi, I just, um, I pick something that, that helps me and it's the, the verse in Matthew 7, uh, 7, 7, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. I look at that, like I, I ask, okay, who wrote it and I might go to the front of the book and ask who wrote it and, you know, ask but when was it written and why and I find it very helpful and the fact that the, this word is is alive that it really does does um, answer you in all those ways Wonderful thoughts here Pam because there's a number of dimensions you're bringing in we'll get Ben's thoughts here but expecting that when you ask and you seek that God is going to be there, there's a supernatural dimension to understanding to these things of the scriptures or the questions that you're asking and the answers you seek. Ben, what are your thoughts here for Pam? Yeah, I think that how we approach the reading of scripture, the, the posture that we bring when we open scripture matters. Like, for example, scripture can't be anything we want to make it. The idea that I can interpret a verse any way that I want because I felt like God moved in my heart can lead us anywhere. 
So coming with the right posture matters. So there are three things that I encourage people to do when it comes to how to approach, how to fundamentally approach the reading of Scripture, which is this. Firstly, number one, faith. Now, when I bring faith to the reading of Scripture, it means this. I'm not approaching it as the same as every other book. I'm not being too just super casual or lacking confidence in it. I'm bringing an attitude and a spirit of faith. Secondly, anticipation. And this is that sense that we're hearing in the question that I know God wants to speak to me. He wants to do something in my life. I'm anticipating it. I'm eager for it. And thirdly, listening to the Holy Spirit, the true author of Scripture. Think about what a beautiful thought that is. The Holy Spirit is the true author of all Scripture. So I want to listen, however that however that works for you. I want to listen to the Holy Spirit to help bring the Scripture alive in me. Wonderful. And Pam, does that was that helpful, Pam? Oh, yes. Um, I just think um, I sometimes forget that, you know, and I might just read one little verse and it doesn't really um, tell you as much as you should know. Um but yes, I think it was very helpful. Thank you. Pam, thank you so much for your call. 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. Interesting to build on what Pam is saying there because context is important, as we say. We said just before the news, a bird's eye view of what God is doing, understanding the narrative of the Bible and where that's leading us understanding something about God's purposes is going to be important too, no doubt, in studying and reading and understanding the Bible. So God's purposes in the midst of all of that, because technically we're aligning with his purposes, aren't we, as followers of Christ. So these things bring more context, Ben. Well, we have to remember when it comes to the Bible, this is not a singular book. It's a canonized collection of 66 books written over a 1,600-year period. This is a complex manuscript. We have to understand that about Scripture and respect that for what it is. But in addition, we have to understand we're complex human beings. So we all bring bias and preconceived ideas when we read Scripture. All of us interpret Scripture. We can't help it. Anytime we open the Bible and read it, our little brain is ticking over and it's bringing its own framework and culture. And that's why we have to intentionally step back and do our best to say, Holy Spirit, we need you to bring this alive and bring clarity to these verses. I don't think we can truly read the Bible just academically or scientifically or through the lens of information. It is a spiritual document. 1-800-316-316. Let's take another call. Alex is in Melbourne. Hi, Alex. Hello there. Uh, yes, thank you letting me speak. Um, I was very uh, interested when uh, your guest there said um, about the physical Bible, how it, uh, it, it adds, to, adds to our faith when we read the Bible. It helps us understand. And, and it happened so with my, my dad. He was not a Christian, but and he had a heart attack and eventually had to just lie down. But uh, And I wasn't a Christian at that time. But um, one day um, I saw him lying on the couch there with a Bible. Well, what looked to be 
a Bible. And anyway, I I approached a bit closer, and sure enough, it was the Bible. And that that left an impression for me because I wasn't a Christian at that time. My mum was the only Christian at that time, so it was for someone like Dad to start reading the Bible. I thought, yeah. That's worthwhile doing, I think. So anyway, but many years later, I eventually, thank God, got to it. And as far as timeline goes, uh, I, as I say, I believe in the Word of God now. And um, the God, it says in Genesis, God made everything in six days and rest from the seventh. And in another passage, we read, in, for God, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like one day. Now, that's God's word. That's, we can take that as a surety. But with us, even the Jewish people, their calendar, they've changed it a bit here and there. And, and so you can't take what even our calendar timeline as a guide uh, too much. So, But I, I just look at it that way, and I think, well, you know, we're even in the Jewish calendar, I think we're about five. Alex, uh, what you're talking about just demonstrates, doesn't it, uh, that there are complexities to the way that we read and study the Bible uh, because, yes, uh, those sorts of Jewish calendar issues, uh, even when we talk about the Bible interpreting itself and looking for the same sorts of metaphors that are used in different books and different chapters of the Bible and we want to match those up so we can understand the Bible interpreting the Bible. But, Ben, what are your thoughts here for Alex, who I might say I'm super inspired because his father reading the Bible was a leadership thing. Just the fact that his father was reading the Bible, not even talking about it, made an impression on him. Yeah, and I think that's where, again, with phones and so forth, it's a tension point. Uh, I read this this week, that the average TikTok user, of which there are over 1 billion now, think of it, uses that app for an average of 95 minutes a day. I mean, it's mind-blowing. We have new generations that that is their life. They're not picking up a physical book. So to me, the benefit of that is go back 30 years, and we grew up hearing stories of smuggling Bibles into different nations where it was banned. Well, well, now you can just, anyone can download it. So there's great blessing that comes with this as well, and tools and study abilities that used to be reserved for Bible colleges, you can now get on your phone. So I think the digital unlocks some great benefits to us as long as we treat it the right way. Let me give you an example. When you read Matthew chapter 5, you see a repeated phrase, blessed are. When I'm reading scripture, I want to look for little signposts like that. Is there a a repeated word, a repeated phrase? Or I want to look at contrast. Is the author trying to contrast something? Or is there a link from this verse to another verse? Chase that down. See where it connects. Follow it. Go on an adventure and see what is this referencing in scripture Or is this a metaphor? When Psalm 1 opens and talks about the path of life, what is the psalmist writing about? That's a picture for us to dive deeper into. Alex, thank you so much for your call. 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation today. Ben Windle is our guest. We're talking about how to read and study the Bible for yourself. 
the sorts of helps that you might have along the way? Because sometimes when you say read and study the Bible for yourself, that means, oh, I'm going to ban every other book that's ever been written or those sorts of study aids that might actually help me understand. Uh, That's not what you're saying here when you talk about read and study the Bible for yourself. There are going to be things that are going to help us through the cultural differences and the literary differences, uh, the the thoughts that, uh, you know, there are historical contexts for the Bible. We need some help on those, don't we? We do. I use them a lot. And so being able to do things like a basic word search is, to me, the kind of process that every student of Scripture, every believer, every Christian should know how to do that and be able to do that. Doing a character study, right? Taking a person and going, what were the themes of this individual's life and what can we learn from them? So to me, it's just finding the balance between all of the content that we get coming our way. It's information overload and understanding that what that has led to is that for most people, we're reading the scripture less directly. It's that direct engagement that brings an underrated value. And so I can't live my Christian faith and just say, I'm reading the latest book. I'm listening to the latest thing and never read it for ourselves. We've got to get into the Bible for ourselves. Supposing we're at church on Sunday and the pastor preaches a message and there might be something in there that might be about a book or a verse or a character, Old Testament character, New Testament character, going back and making that our point of study for the week, is that a good place to actually enlarge on things? Because you can take notes on Sunday, can't you? And uh, you can put them things in your phone even and uh, put, make some notes. You could use that to actually guide you into some deeper study. Yeah, correct. And I mean, as a pastor of 20 years, I can say this to preachers and pastors and teachers when they're presenting something on a Sunday, they've done a whole lot more study to this. And so you're just getting that finished meal. So say I hear a particular verse referenced on Sunday. What a great little practical thing to say, I will at least go and read the whole chapter, right? I will get into the flow of what that chapter was. And that's taking some personal responsibility for my own spiritual growth. Some of the research that's coming out about this is truly incredible. There's no close second to what grows our faith than reading the Bible. It almost sounds too basic. Like, no, it's got to be more complex than that. There's got to be a program or something else. It's like, hey, if you can just get into reading the Bible for yourself, you'll be amazed at how much you start to grow spiritually. There was some research uh, some years back. I remember interviewing someone who was going and doing some higher study on these and came across the thought that, and uh, did the research to prove this was true, that if you read the Bible four days out of seven, Mm. your life will start to change, even if you don't understand what you're reading. Now, you could try and make sense of that, but, uh, but if you are reading from the Bible four days out of seven, the research showed that your life starts to change. Now, there's something spiritual in there as well, but it's also, I guess, changing the way we think. It's changing the attitudes of our hearts. It's turning us towards God. Amazing things happen in that. Hey, coming back to this five-part video series, what sort of things do you cover in there for listeners to get a hold of today? Well, one of the things we cover is we teach people how to be be self-feeders. One of the world's largest churches went through a whole research process. And the single most important finding was this. 
we have to teach people to be self-feeders for them to grow. So I give people the tools to be able to do devotions for themselves. I give them what I call the Billy Graham principle. It's a lens to see scripture through. We look at different genres, how to understand them. We teach people how to not just have a bucket of water that somebody's given them, but how to dig a well for themselves that no matter what you're going through, you can turn to scripture and have confidence that you can read interpret and apply it for yourself. And Ben, before I let you go, and I'll give uh, the BenjaminWindle.com website again just a few moments uh, so you can got some time to, to write that down. But uh, when I introduced you earlier, a specialist pastor to millennials and Generation Z, uh, these are special generations. Uh, I think millennials are sort of under 40s, roughly yeah. there. Uh, yeah. Gen Z is your young adults right now. We're going to be talking about Gen Alpha. That's the generation born since 2010 uh, in just a short while. But these special generations have their own special needs. And uh, and uh, how do you see their Bible reading patterns? Is there a particular way that you can communicate to Gen Z and to a millennial about the importance of the Bible? Yeah, well, the... You know, it's interesting, and I just feel immediately old when you start saying things like that, by the way. Like, they're born 2010, you're like, oh, my goodness. Uh, But, yes, uh, we're living in a digital age, and yet we're living in one of the most biblically illiterate cultures. And so if you go back 20, 30, 40, 50 years, there was still an underwriting biblical literacy that our culture had. That's now gone. There is no starting point. It's a, it's a negative starting point. It's a lack of confidence starting point. There's a lot of skepticism, a lot of doubt. And so to me, just helping people pick it up, open it, download the app, read it for yourself before you make assumptions about Jesus. Read the Gospels. See what Jesus said himself. Read it for yourself. Discover it for yourself. So I think we have to try and encourage people. There is something marvelous about this book. It is the most unique book in all of history because I know this, there's power in the Word of God. And so a young person can't help but have something happen in their hearts simply by opening it, downloading it, and reading it. That's where God starts to go to work. Well, Benjamin Windle has been our guest through this past hour. You can connect with Ben at BenjaminWindle.com. That's W-I-N-D-L-E, BenjaminWindle.com. The How to Read and Study the Bible for Yourself, a five-part video series. You'll be able to access that from the BenjaminWindle.com website. You might also be interested in some of the books that Ben has written, Digital Church in a Lonely World, Eight Innovations to Leading Millennials, and The Promise of Pain. Uh, lots of things you can connect with with Benjamin Windle. Ben, thank you so much for taking some time to share your thoughts and your heart with us today on 2020. It's been a real joy, Neil. Thank you. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.